steadfast. That's the word I'm hoping we'll embrace together during this season of Lent. Steadfast. It it emerges out of the Gospel of Luke, Luke's Gospel that makes this shift in chapter 9 with these words. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Set his face. It's a phrase that can be translated steadfast. He was steadfast on Jerusalem, Jerusalem where the cross was located. Jerusalem where the grave existed. Jerusalem where everything we hoped might happen, happened. He was steadfast on accomplishing God's purposes for his life, for the world. He was resolute on getting done the Spirit's will for the world. He was steadfast. Uh, That's the word we're going to embrace. There's a song that goes alongside it. We've sung it already by Sandra McCracken. It's appropriately called Steadfast. Uh, The first few lines of the song, I will build my life, whether storm or drought, on the rock that does not move. I will set my hope on your love, O Lord, and your faithfulness proves you are steadfast. Whether storm or drought, and we know a few things about storms, like actually in West Michigan uh, and in Texas and in Washington and in Nigeria where 40 people were abducted by armed gunmen in a school, 27 little kids. And not just storms in Texas and Washington and Nigeria, but I'm thinking about the college grad who graduated in a pandemic, left the community of friendship to return to her childhood home, and the trying to find a job in a pandemic looks like a bleak midwinter, and she needs him to be steadfast. I'm thinking about the signs Marv and his daughter, Rachel, who wake up every day to a loss larger than life and the stots and the howls and the bass who wake up each day to a battle with cancer. They're fighting bravely and all of them need him to be steadfast. I'm thinking about the mom whose life is unraveling before her. Only a few know about it and she can't talk about it but carries it with her every day waiting for the ravel to run out and she needs him, begs him, pleads with him to be steadfast. That's the word we're going to embrace this Lenten season because he is. We're going to listen to Jesus' stories along the way. We're going to listen to stories of the steadfast one, and it starts here. Listen to this. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. He said, Teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what's what's written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've given the right answer. Do this and you'll live. Wanting to justify himself, the lawyer said, and, and who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus said, There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho who fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. By chance, a priest was going down the same road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Then a Samaritan came to the place And when he saw the man, he was moved with pity. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. He put him on his own animal and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and when I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Who of the three do you suppose was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Luke 10, 25 through 37. If you want to find it in a Bible with you or the smartphone on you, I want to return with you to the question the lawyer asks and a bunch of people have been asking ever since. And who is my neighbor? I also want to wonder with you about that innkeeper and the inn. Now, the question the lawyer asks, and who is my neighbor? The lawyer wanted to be right. He wanted to get it right. He wanted to follow the law. He wanted to obey the rules. And who is my neighbor? Like, I, I can quote the Bible. I can quote the law. Love God, love neighbor. But let's be real tedious about this, Jesus. And exactly who is my neighbor? Then Jesus starts to tell a story. A man came down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. And then a priest shows up. A priest, if anyone's going to get it right, it's got to be the pastor, right? We pay these people to get it right on our behalf. The priest shows up, the priest knowing the rules, Knowing the social structures, knowing what to do, sees the bloodied man and thinks, I can't go near the blood. If, if I get near the blood, I might be out of a job. If he, he's half dead, he might be dead. I don't know. If, if he's dead, I'll be finished. So he passes by the other side. This is not like crossing 8th Street at a stop sign from one snow-melted sidewalk to the other. This is the Jericho Road. More like a mountainous trail than a paved sidewalk. There's a picture for it to help you see it. In order for the priest to pass by on the other side, he would either have to descend the slopey, sloping, slippery rock face of the valley and then climb back up the other side to get to the other side or would literally have to turn around, go perhaps for miles, going back to the entrance to find a different way to get to the other side. This priest wanted to avoid that bruised and bloodied man. And he went out of his way to do it. 
Fortunately, though, a Levite shows up, a Levite, another kind of priest. These were the singers. These were the vorzingers. These were the ones who lifted with their dulcet tones our hearts to heaven. These were the original worship arts pastors. The Levite shows up, and the Levite knows the rules, too. The Levite goes out of his way to, to pass by on the other side. And then a Samaritan. A Samaritan shows up. Samaritans are like swear words in the Jewish community. Samaritans, they were the enemy. They were a bad influence on our kids. They worshiped foreign gods. A Samaritan shows up. What's really fascinating about Jesus telling this story, which ultimately makes the Samaritan the hero, he had just come from a Samaritan village. And if you want to hear more about this story, go back to our Ash Wednesday service. Jake Helder preached a phenomenal sermon about it. Jesus has just gone into a Samaritan village, and they won't welcome him. They don't receive him. And James and John, the disciples, say, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to consume them? That's what you do to Samaritans. Jesus rebukes them and then goes on to tell a story about a Samaritan hero. The Samaritan sees the man, and he's moved with compassion. And he moves to the man. He's not worried about the rules. He doesn't even know the rules. There aren't rules, except moved with compassion. He moves to the man, picks him up, puts him on his own animal, takes him to an inn where he cares for him and then provides for his care for as long as it takes. Jesus flips the script on the lawyer's question. He reframes the question with a story. The lawyer wants to know, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Who is a worthy object of my affection? Who deserves my attention? Jesus isn't interested in that question. Jesus wants to know, will you love? Jesus says, who was the neighbor? Not who is your neighbor. He wants to flip the script to keep us from asking who deserves my attention and my affection and my love and wonders aloud, will you love? I'm going to walk on some thin ice with you for just a few minutes, so be gentle with me. We are coming through, some would say we're still in the middle of, an extremely contentious season on the national scene. For the last long while, there's been a lot of arguing And a lot of fighting. And you know what most of us have done amidst the arguing and the fighting? We've been arguing and fighting too. Uh, I I won't be exhaustive now. It would take till more time than you have. But politics? An election? Masks? Distance? Public health? Guidelines? Riots? Protest? Racial injustice? I've even argued with my neighbor about a dog. And I was right by the way. Such a contentious season, pushing us into corners. Either you're with me or you're against me. And Jesus, and so then we stand next to the lawyer. We, we wonder with the lawyer, who's my neighbor? Who, who should I love? Who deserves my love? What is the object that deserves my affection? And Jesus just isn't interested in that question. He wants to know, will you love Not who's worthy of your love. Will you love? I hope hope we can be the kind of community that doesn't wonder who deserves our love, but just, just loves. And now I want to wonder with you about this innkeeper and the inn. Why? Why? If if the story is about 
a good Samaritan, and the punchline is just, you should be a good neighbor, just like the Samaritan. What, why do we need an inn and an innkeeper? I mean, Jesus is making up this story. It's not, it did not happen. It is not a literal story. It's something like a parable. He tells this story of, of, a, of a priest that kind of drops the ball on a Levite who seriously does too, and then a Samaritan, a Samaritan who sees the man, is moved with compassion, picks up the man, puts him on his own animal, brings him to an inn, takes care of him for the night, and then leaves. He gave the innkeeper a couple of bucks, two days' wages actually, and then left with no promise of when he'll return, just that he'll return. I can think of a better Samaritan story. He's moved with compassion. He moves to the man. We're going good so far. He picks him up, not on his animal, puts him on his own shoulders like a good shepherd would do, walks him all the way back to his home, puts him in his own bed, feeds him, clothes him, takes care of him, provides the counseling he needs from the psychological trauma of being in the hands of robbers, gets him a job, provides him a family. I can think of a better Samaritan story. But this good Samaritan story leaves the guy in an inn with an innkeeper asking him to care for him in his stead until he comes back. Boy, what does that sound like to you? I want to wonder with you, is Jesus the good Samaritan? The true Samaritan who hands to the innkeeper in the inn, the community of faith, A world of people hurting, bruised, bloodied, asking us to be the neighbor, asking us to be moved with compassion, love, mercy, grace, not wondering who deserves our love, but just loving, not to... Not to eliminate conviction and remove from ourselves commitments, but love anyway. Love still. Maybe we could be the inn, full of innkeepers, until the king comes back, the true Samaritan shows up. And if you really want to wonder with me, I wonder if the lawyer is actually the bruised and bloodied man. There's a play on words here. The the lawyer says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, after he quotes the great commandments, says, you've answered right, do this and you'll live, as if to say, because you're not living now, and then tells a story about a half-dead man. Maybe the lawyer is the half-dead man. Maybe those who live with this superiority, spiritual superiority, this judgmentalism, this right versus wrong sort of mentality are the ones in need of the mercy and the grace alongside everyone else they know is in need of mercy and grace. Maybe I don't know if you want to wonder with me in that direction, but I do wonder if Jesus is asking us to be the kind of inn full of innkeepers who will care for the hurting and the sad and pillar. I want us to be that kind of place. I want us to rise above the contention and the arguing and the pushing and the shoving and the demeaning and the minimizing and the objectifying. And I want us to love, not who deserves our love, just love. Love the superior, judgmental, theologically tedious, am I right or wrong lawyer, and the down and out, hurting, wondering, confused, anxious, sad. Let's just love. Let's just be that kind of people. Because the true Samaritan's coming back. The true, and he's going to make everything right. He's going to make everything new. I just got back from a week's vacation 
with my family. It started out just my oldest daughter, Lydia, and I, we were going to drive down to Florida. for. By the way, the most stress I experienced in that week was deciding if I should go to the pool or the bathwater Atlantic Ocean. It was a tough, it was a tough week. Uh, it started out just me and Lydia. We were going to drive south to Florida. She's got her driver's permit now. We thought we could get a bunch of hours. She mentioned it to her next youngest sister, Tabitha. Tabitha's like, I'm going to Florida. Tabitha told her mom that we were going to Florida, and that went over like a lead balloon. What ended up happening is the three olders and I drove to Florida, presumably so Lydia could get some hours, but my control nature just didn't allow that to happen. While Kristen and Ava, the four-year-old, flew down, we met them the next day and had an absolute blast. So for the 20 hours in the car, Lydia sitting in the front seat, Mariah sitting in the middle captain seat, and Tabitha sprawled out in the back bench seat, we listened to more music than I have heard in my entire life. And it's not even good music. Some of it was okay. Some of the Disney musicals that were somehow still on their iPhones, we listened to some of them. We listened to Little XXL. It's not good. A Louis Capostello or some a, a band called Banners. Every once in a while, they'd appease their old man with little Mumford and Sons, but mostly it was just loud. And they they play it so loud, it would make a Navy jet pilot wince. It was the decibel levels were so loud, and to add to it, they know every word of every song, and they sing louder than the radio, so they can hear themselves. And the first couple hours, I'm thinking, this is cute. And then the next couple hours, I'm thinking, I can't do this for much longer. And the next set of hours, I told him how much I can't do this. And then the next set of hours, I knew the songs too. And I started singing along as well. We're going down some Georgia highway singing to some song I shouldn't know, but I do know now. And if you want me to sing it later, I will. And then this moment, it stood out to me. The the loud, blaring songs of the cultural moment gave way to a song from the play turned musical, Les Mis. Uh, such a, you know the story, maybe you know the story. Uh, Valjean stole a loaf of bread, spent 19 years of hard time in prison. Before he's released, he's let out to fend for himself, to find a way for himself. He's released to nothing. He's trying to sleep one night in the doorway of someone's place. Turns out to be a pastor a priest of some kind. The priest finds him, the priest sees him, the priest takes him in, gives him a meal, gives him a clothing, gives him a bed to sleep in. Valjean, not knowing what to do with such kind of grace and mercy and compassion, in the middle of the night he grabs his satchel, he takes the priest's silver, puts it in his bag and heads for the, the road, gets caught shortly thereafter by the police. The police bring Valjean uh, back to the priest, I, I want you to uh, listen to just a portion of that scene. Monsignor, we have your silver. We caught this man red-handed. Get the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Monsieur, release him. This man has spoken true. 
I commend you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. We're cruising down a Georgia highway, the decibel level so annoyingly loud, and then a moment of silent grace. The open space of mercy. We started singing a different song. A different melody filled our Chevy Traverse. It stood out to me as maybe a, a moment of metaphor. It's so loud. It's all so loud, and the songs of the moment are so annoyingly loud. And then, and then the open space of grace. A different song of mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.